This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and term supply. See mcdonalds.com. Here's Speroni, who rolls the ball out to Cannon. He's got options in front of him. He picks out Thomas. This is a nice-looking move from Palace. That's a neat ball to Ambrose. A space on the right. Good turn. He crosses into Johnson! Oh, yes! Back of the nest! Hello and welcome to the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio with me, Johnny Burrow, and it's a delight to be joined in the studio by Nick Gassett, DR Kernaz, and James Howard, who is a new face, all from the Back of the Nest podcast. Gents, how are we getting on? We won. We did a win. <laughs> we did a <laughs> yes, win. At home. Yeah. We won at home and um, still felt strangely disappointed when we um, walked away from the ground. It's a weird, weird old game, but yeah. Good stuff. No Fun, kittens yet. Funny old game for no kittens yet. Of course, no. the cat update. The cat well, is well, huge. We, <laughs> huge, but no kittens. When you say huge, like, in terms of how many footballs are we talking? Is the size of this cat? I'd say a size four football. A size four football. So that's sort of what one below full size. Yeah. That's quite a sizable cat. We will be getting updates throughout the show on the state of Nick's cat and also, of course, on the Premier League fixtures going on. It was, of course, April Fool's Day yesterday and I've got to ask whether any of you got caught out. Um, No. I don't know. DR's too clever for that stuff. Nick, anything? The only time I've ever been caught out by an April Fool was on the back of a newspaper where it had Neil Ruddock... (laughs) <laughs> wearing a predator headband. Right. And you know the predator boots, when they first came out, they were supposed to, you know, give you more power and and kind of accuracy when you shot. Well, Razor Ruddock had this, this headband that had the predator bits on it, and I believed it. You believe what? That it would suddenly <laughs> physiologically change you and make you some kind of superhuman striker? No. Or defender? That, that there was such a thing as a predator headband. <laughs> oh, and there was no there such wasn't, thing. There no. wasn't. I thought it was just an advertising ploy. <laughs> Well, it probably was as well. <laughs> James, have you ever been undone by anything? Uh, we had something running around at work yesterday, funny enough, and uh, it was the uh, free uh, Guinness or uh, brown ale. 
uh, from the NHS. Uh, <laughs> basically, it was uh, anyone that was suffering from uh, anxiety, uh, tiredness, uh, etc. What they could um, just have a quick Guinness and that would get... out. Basically, it was it was alcohol and pres- prescribed. It's quite a short-term solution from the NHS, that, isn't well, I, it? I thought it was quite far, funny. It was in one of the national papers, but uh, yeah, it did get me for a few seconds. But yeah, I thought, no, no, come on, no, <laughs> too, yeah. too expensive that one. No, it was John Smith's, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and a thing to keep us all going, of course. You will not be in need of a medicinal Guinness this week because it was a good result at the weekend, although Nick seems unwilling to feel joy, presumably because we don't have any kittens yet. Yeah, yeah when, well, maybe that's the case. But <laughs> when I walked out of the ground, it, it just felt weird. I, it was such an ugly win. Um, we didn't really play that great. I know we won 2-0, but it just didn't feel like a 2-0 win. And but, it matters. The win... That's that's all that matters. We got the win, uh, three points, and we're pretty much safe right now. But you look at the highlights on that well-known TV show on a Saturday night. Never heard of it. And you'd say, <laughs> wow, weren't we brilliant? But they literally were the highlights. Apart from a bit they didn't show with Aaron Wan-Bissaka running across the length of the penalty area, dribbling the ball, his own penalty area, beating about three or four people before clearing it upfield. But yeah, we, you, you'd have thought, with the football you saw on the highlights reel, that we were fantastic. But they were the highlights. Literally, don't, six minutes on the highlights. <laughs> it was definitely 90 minutes of dross because there were six minutes. Done it all. <laughs> um, but it was poor, 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 poor. I, I saw, you say it was poor, but yeah, there was some bad passing and, and it, it didn't seem to flow very well the first half. But there was enough chances there throughout the game for us. We could have come away winning 5 or 6 nil. But chances for Huddersfield as well, James. Yeah. There were a few chances for Huddersfield, and that's why I think you know it, it wasn't it didn't flow in our favour very well. Um, but it was it, it, again, it's one of those performances where we create chances and we're just we're just not scoring. But but why the bad vibes? It, it just was really weird at Sellers that everybody oh, was, had the right hump. I was very uncomfortable at half time because of the boos. I know it wasn't everyone, and I know it's probably the minority, but there were quite a few boos there, and I thought, well, what's going on here? You know. Huddersfield were battling. We weren't playing particularly well. Um, uh, we created chances. They created chances. But I thought it didn't deserve... I didn't personally think it deserved any booze at half-time. You know, it was just the first half. You still had the second half. And quite rightly, we came out second half. And um, we did we did well and got a couple of goals. Yeah, I wasn't really too sure whether the fans were going to boo. I knew it, was, it wasn't the greatest of um, halves. But yeah, when it actually did happen, I think it was more of like a message to the players and the management where we're 30 games in and we still struggled that badly. It seemed like the players were not on the same page and that's just unacceptable after 30 games. Um, You should pretty much understand what your role is and play better than we did. So I think it was a bit surprising, but I feel like it just sent a message and I think it just... um, Boost to the players, um, you know, morale and confidence for just for the second half. They realise that they have to do better. So you think the fans booing the players improve the morale? Uh, I think I think in the second half they seem more up for it. They're just more concentrated the way they came out, and you saw it. Like we created chances, as um, James said, in the second half. But in the first half we we also had chances, but not that much of um, good chances. So I think the boos kind of contributed to our second half performance, which wasn't great, but we still created more chances than we did in the first. You could argue that. It was McArthur replacing Maya that, that helped that as well, though. But we'll come yeah. on to that later. Yeah. Because um, I know we're going to talk about Maya and starting lineup. But I've, 
I won't talk about it now, but I thought he was disappointing again. Yeah, we'll talk about it. And there's also that build-in with the Benteke and Batshua situation where um, when Benteke was coming on, um, the fans were booing. But I think that was a bit of a misunderstanding. I think it was more of a booing. Uh, the boos were towards um, the decision rather than Benteke coming on uh, to sub off Batshua. I think there's a bit of a split here at, at Palace. I think there's a split. It's a, it's a bit like Brexit, isn't it? You've got <laughs> Ma- Max Mayer or MacArthur, and then you've got... Uh, Benteke or you know the other alternative striker and it's like everyone's sort of saying no stick with Benteke or the other half are saying no we don't want we don't want to play him and one half of the fans are saying actually we want to start with Mayo and the other half are saying no we want to start with McCarthy. <laughs> is it, it 52% percent I, well no it would be 52% <laughs> for McCarthy you'd have thought as the distinctly yeah. more British option but 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 yeah we you know that the point is is that, that it, it's a fine line between you know uh, probably Roy getting the right team from the off and he's got to decide on each team that we play um, and I think you know it was Huddersfield and he probably thought you know what we can be a little bit more uh, free and attacking and that's probably why Maya got the nod. I'm interested by this booing at Selhurst Park generally because Where? well exactly in Selhurst Park not Selhurst well, <laughs> gonna, sorry I have to pick you up on that slip of the tongue it's better than Smellhurst we normally you, get that I thought you said <laughs> rare um, because the fans are traditionally thought of by fans of other clubs as being this unbelievable fan base who make a sensational amount of noise, support the team through thick and thin. And it's not a ground where I personally think of as hearing booing. Yeah, the last time it happened was Sunderland at home. Um, I think we were 3-0 down at half-time uh, under Adidice. I'm not too sure. I think it was 3-0 yeah. or something. Something ridiculous like that. I think that's when fans booed and left the ground. I don't remember anything after that being... As I, I don't even class abuse as toxic, but any anywhere similar to uh, what happened against Sunderland, nothing's happened like that. We're not really the type of um, fans to boo, but I think it just the performance was just so unacceptable that some of the fans just decided to, and that's how they could send a message across. But it's interesting that comparison of being three nil down as opposed to being tied at nil all, right? I know it's Huddersfield, and I know the result relegated them, but was the first half really that bad? Was it 3-0 bad? It wasn't that bad, and I think that's why, when you had that Sunderland game, it was a majority of the fans that were booing uh, altogether. But, uh, you know, on Saturday, it was, it, was a, it was a few fans, it was a minority, and I think it's born out of frustration, to be honest with you. I think it's, it's not that... I think the fans are so willing, the team to do well at home and when we come up against these teams in the bottom half of the table the expectations are so high that we think do you know what we should be pressing on first half and taking advantage because more often than not when we're at home and we're playing a top six side we'll start off really well really fresh really quick paced passing is slick really good and then suddenly we'll, 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 we'll play against Huddersfield and it's just all over the shop and I don't know whether that's down to the manager whether he's got them fired up enough whether it's down to the players thinking you know what this is we we should do this you know they're practically relegated everyone's beating them every week I don't know but it's 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 a bit worrying a tricky one for Hodgson to handle he of course is still a man safe in his job but under increasing pressure gradually don't go anywhere because coming up we'll be talking about that man Max Meyer he's the man behind Brexit at Selhurst (laughs) Park but was he subbed too early This is Love Sport. You are listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio with me, Johnny Burrow, and the Back of the Nest pod. And something we've discussed on this show a lot, someone we've discussed 
a lot on this show is Max Meyer, the German who came to Selhurst Park with such a high reputation. DR, I know you've been pressing for his inclusion. He finally got a start at the weekend and was promptly removed at half-time. Yeah. Do you think that was fair? I mean, the way it, the first half went, um, I understand the decision. But then again, it makes me wonder if, you know, if James MacArthur or Jeffrey Schlupp who played like that, would they have been subbed? Because both of them, they've had so many games this season where they haven't played that great, but yet no one's really been subbed at half-time. So I feel like it was a bit unfair, but of course the substitution proved out to be correct. So that's what that matters. But I, I really, I'm worried about Max Meyer's future at the club because we just don't really play him consistently. That was his fifth start at home this season. And in them games, we've only lost once and that was against Tottenham. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know if Roy doesn't trust him or what. We, um, we changed formation that second half, didn't we? Yeah. So that's, that's why he did it, because he wanted a player better suited to that formation. I, I mean, think that's what it was, but he didn't um, shake any trees, did he, while he was on? Yeah, but it didn't really... The way that we played didn't help him as well, because every time he had the ball, there wasn't really that many players to show themselves. That, that was a problem for the whole team, because I, I, yeah. we're, we're passing the ball around a lot of the back, which is kind of a reset. I think a lot of teams do it now. Um, and you'd think Max, I don't know whether I've got it in, in my head, that Max is a player that would get the ball and drive forward with purpose. Kind of Johnny Williams, but going in the right direction rather than from wing <laughs> yeah. to wing. Um, maybe I'm a bit swayed by, by what I thought he'd be rather than what he actually is. I don't know. I think it was unlucky because he came on and we were playing, I think, a 4-3-3. And so you've got you know three in the midfield and Max Myers in there and you're thinking, well, actually, he's... He's not like MacArthur. He's not going to be running around tackling and winning the ball back all the time. He is skillful. He's good at what he does. But I think, you know, maybe the system didn't suit him so well, as you say. Yeah. And he was unlucky to come off. I think it was probably more tactical. Um, but I was shocked that we actually made a substitution at <laughs> half-time. Yeah. I, I couldn't <laughs> believe Hodgson did that because we've been screaming for Was weeks. that because of the booing? I don't no. I, I don't. Th I think he's a. He's, he wouldn't have done it because of that. I mean, um, it was it, to me. It was evident that that, that that it needed somebody else to come in or, or change the system. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing. When is the last time I haven't actually checked it up? But when is the last time that Roy Hodgson done a substitution at halftime? And that's what that's what makes me. It, look, look, you're a student, mate. You, you've got all the time in the world. <laughs> well, so, but coming on this show, you no, all coming writing, out with these writing things, his essays. Exactly. He's writing his yeah. essays. And you've been walking about all day. Why don't you just Whoa. pick up your phone and <laughs> check it like would, that? Would yeah. you like boxing gloves, lads? Because we have actually got a pair out there. We we could sort this. All right, let's as go. As long as I have the right-handed one <laughs> and he has the left-handed one, I think we'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, it's just uh, it, like you have to think about it. Put yourself in Max's shoes, for instance. He, he doesn't do this with anyone else. Why does it do it with me? What have I done? And when Max Meyer first joined the club, no one really expected him to stay on longer than I think his two-year contract. So right now we're in a situation where in summer we're paying around eighty thousand player for a, a, for Max, but he yet he still doesn't really start any game. So do we sell him or do we keep him? So the club has to make a decision, really. I I still think he's brilliant impact player. I agree. He yeah, is absolutely, absolutely tears teams apart when he comes on as a sub. Um, I know he's not unhappy. I, I know there's a gloss and stuff over it, but Chris Grierson of Palace TV did an interview with him. He seemed perfectly happy. He's picking up English really quickly, considering he didn't didn't speak any when he first came here. Did he not? No. 
despite being German. Because yeah. every, every German I've he ever met. He didn't bother at school, he said. That's I didn't bother weird, at school. weird, because I went, I went to Germany on a German exchange when I was like 12, and they could all speak better English than me. So <laughs> yeah. I, I'm surprised at that from Max Martin. <laughs> Look at where you are now. Well, quite. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's another... Um, I know what you saw on Palace TV was um, positive, but behind the scenes, what does you know? Palace TV is not going to show the negatives of Max Meyer. Of course, they're going to look at one side; they're going to look at the positives. So, so what? How does Max Max actually feel? We don't we don't really know. Maybe he is happy. Maybe he's not. So have we got to wait for the no- Netflix documentary to come out and yeah. uh, see the real story? <laughs> Maybe. In terms of his involvement, it's interesting that James and Nick, you've both agreed there that he's this wonderful impact player. Do you think he's ever had a game for Palace where he started and he's taken the game by the scruff of the neck? Man City away. It, every time I think about it, um, it's that game because that game he was brilliant defence, uh, you know, going back and defending and also was involved going forward, um, especially in the second half. Um, but then after that Man City game, we played Cardiff at home and he was dropped. <laughs> so even though he had a good performance, he was still dropped. That's why I'm... Well, I'm not really worried, but I just—it's making me think. Does Max Meyer actually have a future at Palace? So he's got—he's got the talent, but we're—we're we're now questioning his his consistency, aren't we? Whereas, and you're in the Premier League, you need consistency. It's all very well having the talent and the skill, but you have to perform at that high level week in, week out. Otherwise, you risk losing your place. Yeah, but you have to give him the opportunity as well. I don't know how many games in a row has Max played for us. Um, What's the most games that he's played for us? How many games in a what? row? I'm not too Been sure. Been in the starting lineup, you mean? Just yeah. He's hardly. He's yeah. only started five games at home. Yeah. So he he hasn't consistently started. And Max, he hasn't really. He hasn't. He hasn't got any Premier League experience. So I guess for a player like him, just start start him a few games and just keep it going until he gets used to the you know style of football. And you can then we can actually have a proper uh, look at Max Meyer and see what he's made out of. But we always see these glimpses of him coming off the bench and just starting the game, um, odd game or two. But we, we haven't really seen him have a good run out with the side. And I think that's the most um, annoying part for me but anyways. Do you think that, um, you know, he's, he's his first season in English football, and I know he's been paid a lot of money, but they do say that it does take a season to bed in and get used to English football. I would be prepared to keep him and see how he goes in the second season because I think he's done enough to show us that he's got the skill and talent. But I think maybe it's down to him getting used to English football, maybe the manager having a bit more confidence in him and playing him a bit more. Um, and maybe it, it, it'll open up if we do get an injury or something in midfield uh, and we just have to rely on him and then maybe he'll get his opportunity then. Yeah. He, he, he did say about the difference between the Bundesliga and the Premier League as well and the, the physicality and the speed and the fact that in the Bundesliga every, everything's a little bit more considered and a little bit slower. Yeah, and... Um, we're pretty much safe now, I would say. So just give him a good run now till the end of the season and maybe like that we'll get more of a look. But it really depends for depends on Max as well, what he wants. Is he willing to come off the bench for another season? Or I'm not too sure. That's They need to have a discussion with Max and Roy to see what's, what's the plans going forward. Because if he's not going to be happy, then there's no point paying a play, player 80000 a week where we can go and get another player who might actually contribute a bit more. Do you think he's not happy? As he I'm suggested, not, he's I'm not. not happy. I, don't, I haven't. No, we heard, don't know yeah, for sure. Do we? Yeah, we don't yeah. know for sure. But I'm just saying, if if, if he, he is, yeah, yeah, if he isn't, then 
it's time it's better to move on this summer then because if his contract's running out there's a possibility that he could go for free the following season so we have to look into that well there's another question about Max Meyer from a Palace point of view which is are you gonna are you willing to put all your eggs in that particular basket from a creative midfielder point of view at the moment he's really the only central operator in that role do you think he's good enough is he as James was pointing out consistent enough or would you be looking in the summer transfer market um, I think he, from what I've seen this season and him coming off the bench and starting the odd game or two, um, yes, he he is good enough. He's had some good games with Wilf. Um, the link-up play at times have been brilliant. We didn't really see that again on um, Saturday against well, Huddersfield. We, we did see some marvellous link-up play between some of the players that led to goals and close chances because they were all one touch. Mm. And Max was involved in a couple of those, so... Yeah, but yeah, but more um, Wilf and Max. There wasn't really that that many combinations. No, they hadn't yeah. clicked as much. Yeah, but there has been games where they have clicked, uh, clicked, and it's helped Wilf out a lot as well because he just gets fired up from it and he gets so many chances like that. So, I think he, I think we've got a decent player there. But I will say this once again: I don't think Max is a world beater. Um, there's some fans who talk about him as. Um, he's one of the best like, they talk about him being one of the best midfielders yeah. in the world he's not that I think he's a solid player who's got massive potential so unless we give him a good run out um, we won't really get to, we won't really have a proper look on how. in, all, in order of picking midfield um, Luca would always be my first choice Cuarte would be my second choice because he, he rarely has a bad game and he's he's one of these players that will pick the ball up and carry it box to box. I'm surprised actually he hasn't been retaining his position um, because he, as you say, he does win the ball and he does create things. Um, maybe not as creative as Maya, mm. but defensively, mm. he's an all-round, Kiate is an all-round, very solid, good player. Uh, and I think he had a run of very good games and then I think he, he, he lost his place or... Yeah, he got injured. Suspended or injured. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I'm, I was surprised, like, if you look at the lineup, it was a very strong lineup, but I still would have had Kuyate in there in some way. I don't know if it was for Slup I would have had him for. But Kuyate, yeah, he's a brilliant player for us this season. He's pretty much very underrated. I think the problem we got is that we've got a lot of pretty good all round players, but it is that special player that unlocks hmm. the defences, you know. Um Do you think Meyer is that player? I think they're relying on relying on him to be that player. Um and I think, you know, uh Without Zaha or Zaha's doing his his bit up front or on, on the wide um, in the middle, we do re- rely on Maya quite a lot. Um, so it does really pose the, the you know do we need to to strengthen that side of the team if we're not relying on Maya week in week out? But that's going to cost a lot of money, and that was why I was you know really keen on on retaining the services of um, Ruben Longtus Cheek mm-hmm. if we could have done. Because that turned our season around last season, and he was that, brilliant for us. That ship sailed. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> shame, yeah. really. But yeah. <laughs> do you think there's no chance at all that he could end up back at Selhurst Park? I, I, do you know what? I mean, how many games is he playing? Well, quite. Regular games. It doesn't it's, really. It's ridiculous. Start. He's a talented player, and he's lost his England place. Um, it just. If I was him, I would be thinking, Christ, you know, I want to play every week, and I want to be in the England team. I was there. I was in the squad for the semi-finals. And, um, you know, I'm it's, now out. <laughs> it's going to be very strange around Chelsea for a while because you, you're hearing whispers that 
Abramovich is losing interest. I mean, I don't but know. But we've what been the, hearing those whispers for a what, while. What do the mm. Chelsea fan show say? The Chelsea fan show aren't immediately concerned about the absence of Abramovich. They're more immediately concerned about the fact their manager doesn't seem to understand how to set up a midfield to pass a football quickly. Uh, but <laughs> once they've solved that problem, I'm sure they'll be moving on to the owner. Oh, <laughs> good to know. But um, yeah, so it's it's nice to have the, the choices. But again, you you were saying you pick Schlupp. He's he's coming up with the goods. He's scoring goals. He's he's coming back winging tackles he's looking like he's playing with purpose and he's not as bad as I thought he was although he still has his moments yeah I think as the season's gone on he's improved um, start of the season that's, uh, um, him and Maka um, James McArthur both didn't really play that great but I feel like over the last couple of months he's slightly improved and he's actually playing better lots to discuss still on the Palace front coming up Goals being scored against Huddersfield, indeed. Two goals went in, but there are still big chances being missed at home. What's going on? This is Love Sport. Palace have looked impressive going forward for the vast majority of the season, but one thing they still aren't is clinical in front of goal. Again at the weekend, we saw big chances going missing at home. Why do you think that is? Lack of composure in front of goal. You have to say, how many of our players can you rely on on a one-on-one situation? That's why, and he's on loan. And I'll pull this out of the hat, Patrick Van Arnholt. Well, at the weekend, certainly. Absolutely. No, I've I've seen him... I mean, he has got so much calmness and so composure it, in James front of James is the goal. answer to play the left wing back <laughs> and centre forward. Of course not, of course not. <laughs> we can but, try it. It would be fun, and we've done it. Haven't we had a left-back before that scored a hat-trick? Yeah, perfect hat-trick. <laughs> so it can be done for those uh, older older listeners out there. We know who we're talking about. Um, but basically, that was only last week, wasn't it? It seems like it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm just very disappointed in, in, in the likes of, of even Wilf, you know. I hate to say it, but, you know, golden opportunities. And, uh, you know, if, if he... I'm not saying he rates himself as a 70 million pound player, but if the likes of Palace rate him as a 70 million pound player, he should put him putting those away for fun. We were talking about sports psychologists last week, weren't we? We were. We were saying that the club should possibly consider getting one in. But watching them warm up before before the game, half hour before kickoff, they've got the extra goals out and they're they're taking shooting practice. The worst one was Townsend didn't hit a single one on target. Wilf scored all of his. Batshuayi scored all of his. Um, no problem there. But yeah, under the pressure situation. But nineteen shots on target. Yeah. So how many? How many saves were there from the? I um, think there were I nineteen, think there were 19 shots. shots. There were five on target. Three like, saves. Three saves from the whole keeper who did did pretty well. I know he'd only just been bought in, hadn't he? After being out for a while, can't remember his name. Um, yeah, I mean there was a point. Did he? Wilf could have had a pen, another penalty. I think. You know when he got through and then started to try to dribble round the keeper and kept on going? Oh. I thought the keeper had just caught him and if he'd have gone down, he'd have got a penalty. But no, you're right. On yeah, going. Yeah. So I, 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 yeah, I was spotted by uh, my brother that went with me and he said he could have gone down for a penalty then. But he seemed to run into trouble at that moment. I don't yeah. know if you thought that. We both thought that he turned the wrong way. Mm. Yeah. And I, looking at the replay, I thought, why didn't you just put, put it through the goalkeeper's legs? 
because the leg, if you watch the replay, the mm. legs were wide and he just could have put it through his legs. But he, he seemed to just want to take on too many players. And I'm wondering whether this is where it goes back to actually whether Wilf is, is a proper centre forward. Maybe he isn't. He's, he should be really on the wide uh, and coming down the wings and, and we should have more strikers up front. Where do you see Wilf as being best, James? I think he's, I think he's better on the wide position coming in. Um, but we need to have the backup in the way of, you know, we need a batch wide air every week. We need an on-form Benteke if that's going to happen. We so need we... anybody in the box because there were quite a few times, I thought, on Saturday where we were getting forward and there weren't players in the box, which means that he has to faff about a little bit bit longer or, or try and dribble into the box. But it's all well playing him as a winger and it's great when he cuts in and wins penalties or scores from obscenely acute angles, which he's done in the past. But... If there's nobody to get the ball into. Exactly. Is Batshuayi the solution then? Because this is something that DR and Nick, we've discussed a lot in the past. I'd be interested to get your view, James. Is he the person who should stay as Palace's permanent number nine if they can get him? Well, uh, you know, we'll struggle to get anyone better than Batshuayi, I think. You know, with... with uh, I mean, I, I hesitate to, to think whether we can afford him um, if he became available. Um Definitely, I would I would want to retain his services for sure. I'm I'm glad we got him over Solanke because <laughs> yeah, he was the, he was the one that we went for. He was Roy was offered the choice, Solanke or Batshuayi. And, and Solanke would have been permanent, presumably. But no, it would have been on loan to start with. But he got injured, didn't he? Which kind of ruled him out. Um, Batshuayi, some lovely one-touch passing in the penalty area Saturday. Uh, bags of ability for. Trick, tricks, trickery, uh, and such like, and turning in the box, he he made a couple of um, Huddersfield defenders look like real mugs. Um, Technical term, but he had uh, a couple of moments where he was trying something too extravagant, and we lost in the centre circle. I can't remember who who passed the ball to, but he tried something really, really silly rather than just trapping the ball and, and moving forward with it. But I'd love him. But that said, when Benteke came on, he gave us another dimension. Mm, ben Teke, yeah, he did. But the thing about Batshuayi was, how many times was he offside <laughs> on Saturday, like on Saturday? I just, it was just so many times. And the thing with Batshuayi is that even with the games he has played and scored, he he hasn't really been in the game like that. For instance, against Leicester, um, there was another game I can't remember off my head. Um, but he hasn't really been in the game like that. But Still, as soon as he gets a chance, he manages to finish it. And that's the type of player that we need. I think on Saturday, he had that golden chance in the first half where um, yeah. he shot yeah. right at the goalkeeper. So, I don't, I really don't know what's going on with our home chance. I don't know if it's a psychological thing because the way that we were missing him, especially in the second half, um, for instance, Wilf's one. Wilf was even frustrated when uh, Lucas got the goal. I was looking at Wilf and he just putting his um, you know, hand on his head. And just saying, how did I miss? I don't know if it's just getting to the players that we haven't scored enough goals at home. And when they get them golden opportunities, they just overthink it and just miss it as a result. If I was Roy, I'd take Ben Teke off leading the shooting training for a couple of weeks and see if that works. Why is that? Because he's intimidating them. No, because they've all, they've all learnt it from him. 
because he can't <laughs> score either. <laughs> didn't didn't someone actually question Roy after the game? And he said that, oh, we, we do shooting practices. You sound like my wife or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on. What sort of conversation is Roy I, Hodgson I, having I, with his wife? He walked through the door at evening. Goes, Good evening, darling. She goes, why didn't you do more shooting training? <laughs> I'm not too sure. I'll go bring the coat up, but there's something along them lines. I'm after the game when they were speaking. Um, so I, I really don't know what's going on. <laughs> Poor Roy's wife getting getting ridiculed <laughs> publicly for no reason. It was also not perfect at the other end of the pitch, though. It's a 2-0 win, which obviously is a great result. But Scott Dan didn't seem to be all that at home. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I was thinking about this on the way up. We miss Sacco. Um, I miss his two or three mistakes a game that leave your heart in your mouth. But you know he's going to do some wonderful stuff as well. The way we're playing, we're... Pl- playing out a lot from the back Guaita's sort of feeding it out gently Sacco is a lot more successful in starting off moves forward um, when the ball was coming to Dan he didn't seem to know what to do with it um, that said players offering themselves other players getting frustrated that the ball wasn't coming to them so I think we need to be a bit more proactive in getting the ball but, but defensively yeah, he was at sixes and sevens a couple of times. I don't know if he was just a bit, ro- you know, rusty because he's had that horrific injury and been away from the game for a very long time. So maybe we just have to be a bit more patient. But yeah, he doesn't seem like the old Scott Dan. And fingers crossed, it's just rustiness rather than he's just not up to it anymore. Because Scott Dan, when we first got him, he was a brilliant defender. And then it all went a bit downhill after the captaincy issues. Um, when uh, Captain, he wasn't, he he was given to Jason Punchin. Uh, mm. I think it all, all went a bit downhill then. Then he got the injury, of course. So hopefully it's just more rustiness. But I don't know if you ask me whether uh, Martin Kelly or Scott Dan. Right now, I'll probably pick Martin Kelly. Yeah, and you can tell he's not been on form because. We haven't had a bid from Everton for him for six months, have we? (laughs) (laughs) They'll be watching. Don't worry. They will be watching. Another man in that defensive line is, of course, Patrick Van Arnholt. He's come in for a bit of stick recently, but he scored a goal that relegated another team. It's looking like Palace will be staying up. And in just a moment, we'll be looking at any players they could nick from potentially relegated sides. This is Love Sport. You're listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show with me, Johnny Burrow, here on Love Sport Radio. I'm joined by Nick Gussett, DR Kernas and James Howard from the Back of the Nest podcast. At the weekend, a Patrick Van Arnholt goal relegated Huddersfield from the Premier League. And he's got previous, DR. Yeah, um, so Stoke away from home um, last season. Uh, Huddersfield at home, of course, on Saturday. And then Hull at home as well, the 16-17 season. I don't know what... I think that's our greatest achievement so far. You've got a theory <laughs> about that, haven't you? Yeah, look, well, Hull at home, so that was a home game, 16-17. Then it's Stoke away from home. Uh, then it's another HD Huddersfield at home. <laughs> so next season, it's probably Southampton or Sheffield Wednesday away from home. And Patrick Van Arnott, goal scorer, so put your money on it. Spurs, <laughs> mate. Spurs are going down next season. <laughs> <laughs> stadium syndrome. <laughs> I don't know, but it's it's HCH and it's always like the same pattern: home, away from home, home. Next season, away from. I don't know. Well, are we gonna are we gonna keep him? I mean, you know, I heard Juventus are after him at some point. Really? Yeah, I remember uh, that. Yeah, and uh, he's a quality player. He's a national. He's an international. Uh, he, just, cut, he cut. He pops up, scores goals. 
Um, I like the player. I mean, yeah, he does go missing sometimes in the defence. And that, obviously, being a defender, mm. that's the most important <laughs> thing you've got to do. But the point is, he's, he's particularly good at going forward and cutting inside. And, and he's very clinical. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I, I could see a, big, a bigger club, shall I say, than Palace coming in for him. I've been coating him last few weeks. You have. Um, quite rightly as well. And the first 10 minutes of the game, he was absolute pants. He had four passes, all unsuccessful, one of them which put us in trouble. And I thought, oh, here we go. But then the last half hour of the first half, he played three excellent balls into into space and into gaps and into the area that we could have scored from. And I thought, he's suddenly... Something clicked after 15 minutes and then he, he pops up and gets a goal and that, that's why he's picked. That's why um, Jeffrey Schlupp's picked because he's always got a goal in him. Maybe he needs to be managed, managed well. I mean, I don't know how the defenders, you know, Sacco's out of the team now, he's injured, but Dan's in there. But are, is he playing games where he's managed better during the game when, you know, there's someone shouting at him and saying, oi, get back here, you need to be in this Do position. Do some work, Patrick. Yeah, exactly. It's like the old, when you're, playing for your school team and you was just shot up forward and forgot about defending it could be that he just needs to be managed better from the sideline or from from the captain or from the defense because you know I arguably I don't think anyone can really criticize him too much going forward um but definitely yeah he, he does need to sort of you know keep awake sometimes in the back think thinking about it it all started going downhill for him when he was doing the um Will from PVA doing bits tweets. And I don't know, maybe he began to believe in himself too much. And... It's a social media curse, perhaps. Yeah. I don't know, maybe there is a question in terms of that point you made, James, of him being very good going forward, not so good at the back, that it is precisely this kind of game against a Huddersfield where Van Arnholt is going to be good and why he would actually be good for a Juventus because if he's playing in a dominant team who are going forward, he's going to look like a Rolls-Royce player. But when his back's against the wall, possibly he can't be bothered. I mean, last season when he was linked with Juventus, he played much better. So I'm not really that worried about him going to a club like Juventus. Uh, just, I knew, uh, just brought up his stats from last season. So last season, he scored five goals in 600 less minutes and less you know, less appearances as well. And this season, he's only scored two goals. So I feel like this season, forget about the stats, even watching him, he just hasn't, I don't feel like he's been himself. And hopefully this um, goal gives him a bit of a confidence booster because I don't know, at times I just feel like going forward, um, the combination really isn't there. And maybe, you know, we saw Jordan Ayew when he scored that goal against uh, Wolves and he went on to score against Grimsby. I know he's out of the squad. I don't know where Jordan Ayew is anymore. But he still gave him a confidence booster and hopefully this this same happens with Patrick Van Arnold because I don't think he's been himself going forward this season or defending uh, recently. Mm. He's been at times really shocking. Does he not suffer because you've got sometimes Wilf, very flair player, playing on that side and then suddenly if somebody like Wilford loses the ball in a difficult position and he's you know got to really quickly set himself up to be in that defensive mode to really cover I, I don't know maybe 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 you know is a lot of pressure on him because we haven't got maybe somebody that's a bit more defensive minded in front of him sometimes um but he 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 was all right last season you know he's he's got the goals last season and less appearances and 
I don't understand what's really gone wrong this season. It's not like he's been play, he's played bad all f- uh, thirty odd games. That no, it's just the last five or six weeks he's been rubbish. Yeah, so uh, hopefully this goal gives him a bit of a boost. Well, there is something fishy going on, and it's not just Patrick Van Arnholt's defending. It's actually our producer, Laurie Callas, who is loving his time in the sun and is ostentatiously not only eating sushi through the glass, but doing so with perfect technique with chopsticks, which is always something that was beyond me. So I'm very impressed. Someone in the lineup has technique of some sort. Uh, the game at the weekend, not just Van Arnholt impressing. His goal relegated Huddersfield. Was there anyone for them who stood out who you thought, actually, we could do with you next season? I'm a great admirer of Moy mm. uh, in the midfield. And I think he nearly scored, actually, towards this in the second half, which I think could have been a time when it would have been an equaliser um, or even the first goal. Um, I think he's he's one of those players that will, when, when they're struggling, will be a go-getter and get the ball, win the ball and start controlling controlling the football on the field. Um yeah, so Moy would be one I'd be looking at. I don't know how old he is. Anyone know how? He's not that old. He's in his twenties because yeah. uh, he was signed relative. I think it's mid twenties because he was signed relatively young by City, then loaned to Huddersfield. He's twenty eight, so, so pr- that's a prime of life. Still. Yeah. And when we talk about a kind of Meyer alternative who could be scrappy in that three, but also has an eye for a pass, I think he'd be a great signing. For Absolutely, I, I do agree with you. Yeah. He does stand out, though, doesn't he? Just he does. the way he looks. <laughs> Not just because he's bald. Because yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think of Huddersfield players on the way up that, that stood out, and he was the only one I could remember because he does stand out so much. He's their striker, the little bloke, who kind of reminded me of a cross yeah, between I, yeah. Johnny Williams and Barry Bannon. I knew you were going to mention him. <laughs> Alex Pritchard. Isn't, yeah, the he midfielder. Quite yeah, useful. Yeah, I would, some, someone mentioned it on a review pod on Sunday. But then again, I, honestly, I don't know if really um, any of the Huddersfield players can impact us was he the guy that Aaron Wambazaka chased and Um, caught up with him and slide slid the ball out of his it was it might have been one on one and he was way ahead of everyone else and Aaron Wambazaka just (laughs) caught up with him yeah that's just Aaron Wambazaka type (laughs) I wasn't even surprised he just does that every week now talking of which um, our, our producer Mikey um He'd like he'd like to say where you can get the uh, Sunday review pod from. The where where can people listening now who may not know us be oh. able to get the pod from? Yeah, backofthenest.com? Yeah, backofthenest.com. Yeah, you got it right. Yeah. You don't have to ask me. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> back, backofthenest.com com. If you want that, if you want to get in touch with us live, we'd love to hear from you. That number is o two o eight seventy twenty five five eight, or it's at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. We've been talking relegation. Huddersfield, of course, now down. Fulham will be down as well if they lose to Watford tonight they're now underway there at Vicarage Road we've also just had kickoff in Wolverhampton Wanderers versus Manchester United in the Premier League and we'll bring you we'll be bringing you updates from both of those games and Brentford versus Swansea City but coming up who were the winners and losers against Huddersfield when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. 
you in. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is Love Sport. It's the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio and it's time to look at who performed well for Palace against Huddersfield and who was a little more disappointing. Who would you like to slate to start with? Oh, slate. Oh, let me start on a positive note. Okay. I haven't really thought about someone to slate. Um, Gaeta, I think um, yes. he saved us pretty much. You know, as much as we were poor, um, I don't think Huddersfield were as clinical. If there were, the scoreline could have been different because they had some very good chances and Vicente Gaeta came up and he just shown his money's worth. Um, all them rumours of him, of us wanting him to leave and bringing someone else, I just think it's it's just rubbish because why would you want a goalkeeper of his calibre to leave? Because, you know, he just came into the side. I know he's had that one or two mistakes. Um, he's been decent overall since he's come into the Premier League and he showed his worth against Huddersfield once again. He pulled off two very, very good saves and they highlighted them, didn't they, on the match of the day, I yeah. think. Um, yeah, he's very commanding. Um, very Looks calm as well. I like the way he just looks calm and he's always in the right position. I've, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know I've, if I'm getting my games mixed up, but didn't he get completely lost in no man's land at one point in the Watford, second half? Watford, or was that yeah. the Watford game? Yeah, the whole game. <laughs> All the <laughs> games are blurred. Yeah. yeah, Watford game. But the only downside, I don't know if people noticed that, um, it was that, especially in the first half, when we were struggling and misplacing passes, at times Patrick Van Aanholt and Juan Bissaka was open out on the wide, you know, on the wings, uh, basically. And he just lofted the ball up to Batchel. I don't know if that was a tactical thing, but he just done I, I can only remember it once or twice. He passed it to Juan And his distribution, um, we've talked about it before, I don't think it's the greatest, but it's not bad by any means. But just them um, little things, you know, if you part, maybe if you gave the ball a bit more to Juan Bissaka and Van Arnold, the game, the first half might have been a bit better because we would have had more control. So just the little things like that um, but I, I, I was, picked up on his game. I was noticing in the first half, he's always been. A player that wants to uh, keep it, that wants to distribute the ball quickly, and nearly every time he had nobody to do that with. It wasn't like we we wanted to push the game forward. Main, I mainly saw this in the first half because he was, you know, air end of the pitch. Um, but yeah, I didn't really notice the the, the fullbacks offering themselves. So I, much. I don't know. I was sitting in the alpha, and I just it was just frustrating people around me as well. Um, you just saw Juan Bissaka at time just open and Van Arnold open, but he was just panicking. It seemed like and just booting the ball up upfield. Is that go? Does that go back to the you know what we had said a bit earlier about missing Sacco? I mean, he always seems to sort of give himself, make himself available, doesn't he? And yeah, puts his foot on the ball and tries to play it out a bit more and. Yeah. Maybe that that's yeah, what Sa- it, we're yeah. missing. But. Even though, yeah, even though Saka scares me about eighty percent time, he has a ball. He does some ridiculous things. Um, yeah, I think um, as as we mentioned before, I think Saka he plays a part as well. Um, it seems like our defenders are not as comfortable. We haven't yeah. got someone like Saka at the back line, and we just um, 
crumble basically when they put us under pressure. We've got a quick update for you from the Liberty Stadium and it's not good news for Brentford. A blast from the past in the form of Nathan Dyer. Yes, he is still playing football. He scored just one minute in. An under-hit pass back Sorry, allowed Daniel James in. He laid it off to Dyer and it's an open goal. Swansea City 1, Brentford 0. And Romelu Lukaku could have scored early on for United. He won a header just six yards out but fired it point blank at Rui Patricio in the Wolves net. It's still Wolves nil, Manchester United nil. In terms of that Palace performance, was there anyone else who impressed you, who disappointed you? We would say it every week. Yeah, almost exactly. it, but Can you guess what's coming? Guess. Do you like Aaron Wambasaka by any chance? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know what? I had no idea. It's almost not worth mentioning. We what? shouldn't mention it because we, we, he's going to end up. Like, we're yeah. going to have to end up like, getting bids in for him every week. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think one thing that we have to mention is that his composure in the second half, where we lost a ball in our box and he just ran all the way across our box and then he just cleared it. Just it was just unbelievable. I was just thinking about me in that situation. I would have done one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I would, I would have done like one extra like touch or something. That's why I don't play football. Um, but it just he's. You know, he's only 20, 21, I think, now. And the things he's doing is just unbelievable. Did, I think that was that really did stand out for me. What worries me about him is his legs are so telescopic in the tackle that he's going to get injured one of these days. Oh, why are you thinking like that? <laughs> why? I don't think they can get near him, can they, to injure him? Well, yeah. well there is that question. <laughs> with that, James perhaps makes a very good point. Should we take a new tack on this show and just have a segment every week where we talk about how incredibly average Aaron Wambasaka is? Just say he was really disappointing because, you know, we're coming to a transfer window. Let's just play it down a bit. I, th- I think he's absolutely useless. Yeah, I, you know what? Actually, looking back, he just... Comp- I think he took like eight or nine challenges. That's it. He's yeah, not... He missed that he one challenge. He's, yeah. He he's not going anywhere. They've just released a t-shirt range for him. Now, they wouldn't that be doing that in the club nothing. shop. No, no, we done that with Zaha as well. I remember that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if we're doing it on purpose <laughs> because it, all them transfer rumors just came up in January and now we released a, just a clothing range. Well, we, we saw Let's, this with Fabian yeah. Delph. He was pictured in the Villa kit for the next season and everyone was saying, Oh, Fabian loves the club. Fabian loves the club. Three days later, hello, I'm delighted to have signed for Manchester City. So it's, it's work with Zaha. I don't know. We're trying it again. <laughs> We're just trying it all our methods. Get, get your Hennessy range ready. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Was there anyone poor? Apart from, of course, Wambasaka, who we've established is very bad at football. Did anyone else disappoint you? I, I don't know about disappointment. I just feel like the whole team really didn't play up to their part. Uh, not one particular player that disappointed me. Maybe, maybe, uh, I, just, uh, I don't want to be, maybe Jeffrey Slot. Uh, I don't know, in the first half, I, I might I might have been too focused on him, but uh, there's times where Zaha was making runs and he was just taking extra touches and the ball wasn't going to him. Maybe that, maybe Jeffrey Slot, if I had to pick one player. But overall, I don't think anyone stood out being that bad. I think it was more of a team effort. I would I would go back to saying Max Meyer, and I don't think it's particularly down to him. Mm. I just think that you know tactically, uh, it was a job that really it wasn't the right job for him to do in that first half with the three in the midfield, um, and it made him look pretty poor. Well, with this, if we're struggling to single out one player who was particularly disappointing, and the one who we can single out was because he was effectively being used in the wrong role, mm. does the buck stop with Hodgson? I, I think it was not so much the wrong role, but Huddersfield had five in midfield, so they were going to stop any anything trying to come through that way anyway. And I yeah. think that that 
that stopped Maya more than anything else. I think um, McCarthy gets stuck in a bit more, doesn't he? And when once he pulled the the players out wide, it kind of took two or three of their midfielders out wide with Wilf. I mean, the things you described—that's all tactics. <laughs> so, yeah, 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 exactly. So I think it falls it falls down to Roy to a certain extent. You know, I've I'm not really the, the biggest fan of Roy anymore, um, but. You look at the second half chances. What could Roy do about that? You know, what what yeah. can Roy do that Zaha couldn't finish, and we really did struggle up front. And back try and miss a couple chances. It's really out of his hand. But yeah, I think tactically, especially in the first half, I don't know why, but this season it seems like every first half we're just really not in it, and in the second half we just flip the switch and just come back into the game. I don't know what it is. I think tactically it was right to possibly do 4-3-3 four, four, three, three, um, because it was Huddersfield and we felt like we need to be on the front foot and we could get a couple of early goals and we did create chances. But I think having the 4-3-3 three, three with Mayer in the middle, I think was was wrong. I think mm. MacArthur should have started. Um, if you're going to do 4-3-3, three, three, you've got to start with MacArthur. Um, and if you're... Or if you're going to bring start with Mayer, maybe you've got to put him in the front three or just behind the, you know, you have two up, one up front and just two just behind. So I think um, Roy has got to, to, to take, uh, you know, responsibility for that. Um, I think he will learn from it, probably. Um, hopefully. Well, he'll learn from it, of course, if he is still the man in charge next season. The debate, I'm sure, yeah. DL, will continue as to whether he should be. Coming up, we've established that Aaron Wambasaka is a bang-average football player, so I've got absolutely no idea why we'll be discussing if he could be Palace's Player of the Year. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. This is Love Sport. A bit early there. <laughs> Welcome back to the Crystal Palace fan show here on Love Sport Radio, where we are being treated by our producer. First, he was eating sushi with some chopsticks, and now he's waxing Barry White on to kick off. I thought the it was four-word review time. <laughs> no, it's it's wonderful news that we've got such mellow, mellow tones beneath us as we discuss the potential Palace Player of the Year. And we established, gents, in the first hour of the show. Barry's still there. Keep going, son. We established <laughs> in the first hour of the show. But Aaron Wambasaka is bang average. You know, sometimes you bring players through your youth academy and they're fantastic and all the fans get excited and they're linked to Europe's elite like Borussia Dortmund and Chelsea and City, but sometimes they just disappoint. But he has just won another Player of the Month award and he is being linked with the Player of the Year trophy. Is that likely? Yeah, for a player who's bang average, I think it's... <laughs> <laughs> I think Player of the Year somehow is still like in the cards. I think he's... Not in the cards. I think it's probably a lock. I think he is player of the year, regardless of what happens from now to the end of the season. He's just been fantastic. I'm well, gonna, I mean, average. So <laughs> I'm gonna um, I'm gonna put my neck on the line and say he excites me more coming through than Wilf did. Ooh. Does he excite you more than having Barry White play underneath while you're talking on the radio? He's thinking about it. He's really, yeah, depends, really because <laughs> he did a couple of dodgy albums. <laughs> Depends yeah. on the track rather yeah. than on yeah. the player. So you're more excited by this fullback who is an exceptional player, but is playing in a position where traditionally we don't really get excited than you are by this young, tricky winger with electric feet and electrifying pace. Well, AWB's got that as well. Mm. Yeah, he has because first of all, he was he started as a winger. You got your then... mouth. Yeah, sorry, James got his mouth open there. Is it? No, 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 I'm no. Not really sure. Sorry, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm getting. I've never been so excited watching a player winning tackles. <laughs> I mean, I've never gone to football 
to think I want to go and see a player winning tackles. I'm, I used to play as a striker and I like playing football and I love the attacking side of it. But I go to watch Crystal Palace now and I go to see him win every tackle and I love it. And it's brilliant. I just, I walk away and I think, oh, he's going to win that. He's going to win that tackle. And um, it's just a breath of fresh air that we've got someone so talented. And I, I do agree with you that um, he is, uh, he's definitely uh, quicker and, and better than uh, Wilf was when he first started. It's interesting, the combination of those two points, because Nick, you were there saying he's quick and he's got feet, which is obviously true. And we love to see that. And then James is saying, well, he's also great in the challenge. Also true. Is there potential possibly for Wan-Bissaka to do a Gareth Bale and turn from exciting young fullback into exceptional attacking talent? No, no. because he's... Go on, you say it, Dion. No, you say it. You say it. No, you no, say you, it. He, <laughs> you hang up. He's, he, he started off as a, a very potentially brilliant winger who then went back to playing defence. So, so he's you done he, the opposite. Of, he doesn't uh, have something. What, what's he lacking? We we just can't afford not to have him at the back rather than anything well, you, else. You can't now, but could you ever see him moving back into an attacking role? I could, um, possibly. I, I, I possibly, just can't though because as you know, as much as he improves his attacking game, he's still a brilliant defender. I don't like a player like that. He's just too good defending. That I don't. I just wouldn't push him up unless we've got another Wan-Bissaka and we just like. Have two of them, one defender version, one attacking version, and that'll be brilliant. But I think he's just too good of a defender for us to lead, you know, push forward. I just don't see it happening. I don't think he's he's going to be a bell player. Um, I think he's he's still learning that side of his game going forward. Um, he's very good, exceptional at the back, exceptional at winning tackles, and a, and a defensive player. I still think he's got a lot to learn uh, in the the final third of the game and the pitch. Sorry. Uh, and I, I think that's why, in my opinion, he should be staying with us for uh, at least another couple of seasons. Well, you'd have thought he will because such an average player is unlikely Absolutely. to. Well, as, as we keep, because we keep saying. <laughs> yeah. Attract attention from elsewhere. We've got to call it into the show. Mitch is getting in touch from Beckenham. Evening, Mitch. Thanks very much for your call. What would you like to weigh in on? Uh, I've just, I've been listening to you on the 54 bus. I'm from Catford. I'm coming in Beckenham now. And then you said before the break, the Tottenham game at the weekend just walked in and got me Newcastle tickets. So unless somebody ain't told me something, I could be wasting a journey to Tyneside, my friend. But uh, no, <laughs> no, genuinely though, uh, nomination for player of the year. I've, I've got to say James Tompkins, except when he plays Brighton for some reason, he seems to lose his head. That's a good show. So, has he yeah, played enough? I, I, has he played enough games this season though, Mitch? For us? Yeah. Yeah. Well, a few more than Connor Wickham, I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're not putting Connor Wickham for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And on the on the subject of Van Arnold, I actually think Premier League teams are targeting him, knowing that Rob Zaha stays up quite far up the pitch, and they're exploiting that space. And a typical example is Brighton winning goal. Mm. Yeah, I, but I still think he still uh, he can do a better job at times. I feel like uh, he. So he gets um, out of position a lot more this season than uh, the previous it, season. That's what it, it feels like. It's not just anyway. that. Sometimes he just does things that you think, what did he do that for? You know what I mean? Yeah. He, 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 he's got a mistake in him, hasn't he? I mean, I noticed it when we used to play against him when he was at Sunderland. He was a bit of a weak link for them then. But um, 
I think, I think... You know, early balls in the game, when a few misplaced passes, I mean... To be honest, that's typical Palace, though, isn't it? In the first half, you well, always get the, that with them. There was a few you know. players, a few misplaced passes for everyone, wasn't there? Yeah, to be honest, the it's, first it's half. always those AOP moments. Here we go. You know, it's like, oh, let me know. We've, we've been like the experience, isn't it? We've been like that all season with the misplaced passes, though. I think at home, maybe at not home. Away. Yeah, I'm not sure about away, but uh, the games I've seen at home, we've been very, um, very loose with the ball. Very uh, loose. All season, uh, 40 years, mate. Since <laughs> stuff like that been going on, mate. And there's some days you just shake your head and you think, what the hell's going on? And then they just perk up and do something brilliant and you forget about it. Quick but, quick, uh, quick question, Mitch, on, on the social medias after the game. Lots of people were saying it's the worst Palace performance they've seen. Now, I know it wasn't. Was it? Was it that bad? <sighs> It's symptomatic of a lot of the games, like Brighton, the same, Southampton, all the home games. What it is, teams are coming up and stacking up the midfield, yeah, and condensing the play. And what we seem to have a problem with is the last third. Lots of good approach play, and then that final ball into the final third or through between the lines, we just, sometimes we get in great positions, and... I'm not being funny. I just don't think the players look up sometimes. The amount of times it's like, just look up. There's somebody over. Will's free on the left or somebody's free on the right and they just don't look up. Well, Mitch, it's been lovely speaking to you. Thanks ever so much for Thank your you. call. Mitch was getting in touch there from Beckham. Just a slight problem on the lines. We've had to let him go, but lovely to have a chat. And while he was regaling us in tales of Brighton, there has been a goal at Molyneux. It is Wolves 1 United won. That's so Palace. Like that goal. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can see us doing something like that. Maybe they've been watching. But you know, Lukaku had that miss in the first half as well, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah very, you, very true. I think they're watching Palace. And it's that old <laughs> duo, Raul Jimenez, assisting Diego Jota. Lots and lots of impressive combination play from those two. Both of them, I think, would be wonderful in the Palace team. On. Do, do, do you think they're going to go onwards and upwards next season, Wolves? Wolves. I think they've set themselves a pretty high bar, haven't exactly, they? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, top six. Well, <laughs> that's a bit too much. When, when they were coming up, they were touted for quite big things, weren't they? They spent a lot of money in the championship. The likes of Ruben Neves, Porto's youngest ever captain, signing for them for about 18 million quid in the second division. Quite extraordinary. We all thought they might get mid-table. As it stands, of course, as you say, DR, they're pushing higher up. They are the team who've taken the most points off the established top six out of any side outside of it. And where do you go from there? Because you can't see them really ousting a Chelsea or a United, can you? I, I mean, when they came to Palace, we played them off the park. <laughs> so we still lost. Confident. I mean, I, I was, wasn't impressed with Wolves at all. Uh, we lost fair dues. We did lose to them at home, but we played them off the park and then we went to their place and we beat them. So, um, in my opinion... I haven't seen, I don't see the team that they are because when I've seen them, they haven't played particularly well, but they are getting results. Uh, whether they can do it next season, I'm not sure. I'm wondering whether those one of those teams that comes up one season does really well and implode, implodes the second season. I'm, I'm the jury's out on that one, to be honest. That's a good point. Teams they'll, might work them out. There'll never be another Nottingham Forest. I remember them getting promoted from the old second division and winning the first division the, the first season they were up. It was... Unbelievable, that team. And then they went on to win the European Cup the year after. That's, that's when football was evener. Who, who was in charge then? I think I've heard of him. A uh, bloke called uh, Peter Taylor. Oh, 
Right. And his right hand man, Brian, someone. No, never heard of him. Never heard of him. Uh, <laughs> talking of excellent English managers, Roy Hodgson <laughs> has said he wants to keep Wilfred Zahar on a five year deal and uh, AWB on a four year deal. But, of course, every player has a price. We've seen interest in them both. Do you think that's realistic? Uh. Yeah, I think I think so. It's hard. He said that every player has a prize because he knows that there's going to be some genuine interest. It really depends on our what we're asking for with Zaha and Wan Bissaka. Um, I'm I'm confident to a certain extent. Uh, Have we heard any more from German clubs, or is that just press nonsense yeah. filling up? I news? think it's the Dortmund stuff is press nonsense, as far as I know. I don't sound confident, though. <laughs> but wouldn't, sound it, confident. wouldn't it be nice for Wilf to be our kind of Matt Letizia and just stay with us for the whole of his career like Letizia did for Southampton? Yeah, I think that would be nice. But then again, it, it, does Wilf want that? He seems he seems fairly happy here at Palace from what we see on social media, etc. Yeah. He is happy, I think. Uh, he's had his fingers burnt, obviously, earlier going to Man United. He's at an age where he probably does need to make a decision. Uh, is he 26 now? Mm. So he probably, if he does have, you know, aspirations of playing in Europe, then he's probably not going to be with us, to be honest. <laughs> um, so he will have to consider it. But then again, I think the club, you know, we've been looking to value him at 70 million. Other clubs are looking to value him at maybe 50 million. So it's not just about the player. It's also about the club and how much we would let him go for. Now, personally, I don't think he's worth 70 million we had a little chat earlier on and I think on evidence with the misses on Saturday in front of goal I think if you're going to be a 70 million player you've got to put those chances away every week did you say he was with your misses on Saturday <laughs> I know I thought, I, thought we were, I was about to say I thought we were back with Roy Hodgson yeah. <laughs> I thought that as well um, but yeah I know what you mean though I think um, chances like that you have to take but I don't Personally, I don't see him going for 70 million because I don't see other clubs just paying that much for him. But that's what I'm talking about as well when I say um, we need to make a decision on what we want to do next because we've got a brilliant squad with brilliant players, but they don't want to always fight for relegation, I assume. I don't think Zaha and Wan-Bissaka always wants to st- just stay up. They want to achieve something. So, And our manager, he will keep us up. There's no doubt about that. But will he bring us to the next level? I'm not too sure. And that's why the club needs to make a decision with they rather take a risk and just go all in with this squad and see what we can do or just stay Ooh, up. Careful what you wish for. Exactly. That's what, yeah, it's, you have to be careful what you wish for, but it just, it's something to just raise. The primary concern for Palace has to be, of course, holding on to those two men, Wambasaka and Wilfred Zahar. Our primary concern coming up is your four-word reviews and we'll be hearing them in just a moment. This is Love Sport. He's moved on. Barry White is no more. Our producer's had enough of that. He says that variety is the spice of life. So we've got a new bed, and you may be wondering, why am I hearing delightful music beneath the presenting on the Crystal Palace Fan Show? Well, it's because it's that time of the show where we hear from you in the form of your four-word reviews. About flipping time too, Colin, Briscoe Eagle. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so positive. Oh, the music's gone. We have we got some music in the Let's background. Let's have some music. Let's have it have it tricky. It could be Barry White. Maybe he's mixing it up. Maybe it was an April Fool, <laughs> a dummy run. What's it? What's it going to be? Da, 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 da. Oh, he's changing it. What have we got? Oh, <laughs> that's a new one. We haven't had that before. Glad all over. Glad all but over, are yes. the full word reviews glad all over? I suspect they're probably not. At Simon Pizzy, 
an awful palace performance. <laughs> Glad all over, Simon. <laughs> Kevin, T.A. Steph, Aaron, one, Bobby Moore, Bissaka. Oh, Lord above. <laughs> I like the way he's got Bobby Moore into one word there. I'm not going to read yours, Sellers, Dunderlights. Not only does it contain a swear word, it's also blasphemous. Um, Doug Blundell, George Baxter was brilliant. Who's George Baxter? <laughs> What's that got to do with anything? Maybe wrong forward review. Oh, hang on. Doug Blundell has said that Baxter's was founded in 1868 by 25-year-old <laughs> gardener George Baxter when he borrowed £100 from family members and established a grocery shop in <laughs> Fockerbears in Moray. I in, think you can't say that again on radio. Uh, no. <laughs> that, that also was more than four words. Yeah. Yeah. There's always that one also, what, think, Have we established the relevance of Baxter's? <laughs> I'm I'm genuinely confused. No. No. Okay. No. Well, we like a bit of variety. We'll, we'll move on. <laughs> Chrissy Palace says, we are staying up. Yep. Uh, ben, the Palace roller coaster continues. Dave Hill. I'm sure Dave Hill's in Slade. Uh, game of three quarters. <laughs> I'm trying to work game of three quarters. Why would he say that? That's so basketball time. <laughs> Surely they'd have four quarters. Also, yeah, if it's a game of two halves, you'd have thought. Someone's, someone's got his fractions a bit, a bit confused. Maybe so. baseball. Has three, I don't know. We'll, we'll <laughs> sort that one out. I'll change it for you. Game of six eighths. Um, Andy Davis, I can finally sleep. And we'll finish with Mark Jew. Crap performance. Three points. Well... You know, it's the three points part of that that counts, arguably, yeah. isn't yeah. it? That's what we that's what we said earlier on in the show. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't the greatest of performances, but we still managed to get the three points and it pretty much solidifies our position in the Premier League for another year. I reckon it does. Um, we were helped by lack of VAR at the weekend in our survival stakes. I mean, yeah. With that Cardiff mm. goal. But I think it's fantastic because if you had VAR, you would not have seen the sight of Warnock going loopy at the refs. <laughs> no. And that is what football is about. And VAR <laughs> will rob us <laughs> of this joy. What triggered you? We're talking about the game on a week. Like, you just went down to VAR. But did you guys see the, uh, you know, um, Jamie Carragher with the, uh, what was it? You know, the, the where the, I forgot what, what do you call it? You know, the goggles you put on and, Oh, what the virtual reality? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, virtual reality. He's wearing uh, virtual reality, and basically he was in his in the linesman's position, and the linesman literally couldn't see because of William's hair. So it's so hard. Like, on it, <laughs> that's William's hair. Yeah. So hang on, maybe maybe the technology we need is slightly simpler in the form of a razor. I don't know. That would be <laughs> but, quicker but, than but, VAR. But that's why you need VAR because even situations like that, like no, you don't. You just get William to have a haircut. It's quick. Well, yeah, I'm, someone's yeah. someone's talking about it on um, social media, saying in, in 20 years Warnock's going to talk about how we got relegated because of William's hair. People have been having great fun with the Warnock clip on Twitter. You know the one where he's holding his head and just staring at the referee and the linesman. Someone did it with the caption, when you buy a girl a drink and she immediately says she needs to go and find her friends. And that's just seven seconds of Neil <laughs> Warnock looking absolutely <laughs> heartbroken. What, what annoyed me about Mr. Warnock was saying... It's the worst thing to happen to the club this season. Yes. Um, hmm. uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. I think, I think heat of the moment rather than yeah. active rudeness. And no. but doesn't he go? I mean, he he's always going on week in week out though. So it's. Yeah, I you mean, know, Neil it, Warnock would find something to complain about in any context. But does he have a point about the referees? Yeah. Because I I think that as well, like best league in the world with the worst officials. <sighs> I mean. 
How how are we comparing them? I don't know. To National <laughs> League refs, they're, they're a bit dodgy compared to Premier League refs. I don't know. I think you're always going to, after a game where your team have been on the wrong end of a refereeing decision, you're always going to feel like they're the worst refs in the world. I think, if you look at the World Cup as an example, when we see international football, actually some of the refs from different leagues aren't an improvement on what we've got. I thought, no, the officiating was good in the World Cup. Came I, and went. I think we struggle as well because our game is particularly fast. Um, and so for the referees to keep up with the game over here is, is going to be tricky and obviously a lot more difficult maybe than in, in the World Cup or Europe. Mm. Which is why you need VAR. Was it you that sent us a clip of an Australian ref- referee who'd been mic'd up during the game? Yeah, Fantastic. that was brilliant. Can you imagine Premier League, a referee getting mic'd up throughout the game? I remember there was a VAR situation and a referee even said it like, I'm, I'm just going to check just so to sell it. Because the fact the players will be frustrated if I don't look. They said I've already decided. Yeah, yeah, I've already decided. Yeah, but yeah. but uh, imagine that in the Premier League, that would be fantastic. Like what hearing the ref? Yeah. The problem with that is you probably also hear what the players are saying to the ref, and then you've got problems with Ofcom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A couple of score updates for you from around the country. It is Watford one. Fulham won. A Decore goal had, as it stood, been relegating Fulham, but it is 1-1. Ryan Bubble rounding Ben Foster to keep slim, slim hopes alive for the visitors and the away end full of Fulham fans are singing, we are staying up. They are for now and it's more bad news for Brentford, I'm afraid. It is Swansea 2, Brentford nil. Second of the night for Nathan Dyer, rolling back the years. Don't go anywhere because coming up, we will be looking ahead to Palace's game against Spurs. This is Love Sport. When Palace travel away to Tottenham Hotspur tomorrow night, they will make history as the first ever Premier League visiting side to the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And Palace do have previous of ruining special moments for other clubs. Can they do it? I don't know. It's it's an away game, so that's an advantage. And it's a new stadium, and as you said, I remember Steven Gerrard, uh, his last game for Liverpool at home, we ruined that. Um, we've ruined Liverpool again, the 3-3 draw at Sellers Park, um, the year that we got promoted where they missed out on the title. Yeah, we, we've, we've had them games where we have ruined people's um, parties, and it being Palace, I won't be surprised if it happens, if we get something out of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm not particularly confident, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, you know, I think that we um, it will go there, and we'll we'll probably do reasonably well first half as we normally do. Um, but I think they're going to be so fired up with their new stadium, and they're a top side, Tottenham. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I'm not that positive about this this game. I have the guys from Last Word on Spurs in every Thursday from 7 till 9 for the Spurs fan show. And they are supremely confident about this new stadium, right? Even (laughs) though that their run of form in the Premier League is woeful, they are clear that they are going to win every Every. single home game this season. Remaining, of course. Uh You've got got to think, though, when they first moved to Wembley last season, they were rubbish. But what they would argue... New stadium syndrome... Where is Sunderland now? And okay, Stadium of Light's probably quite old now. Maybe I'm, you know, time goes a lot quicker. But when a stadium, when a team gets a new ground, they do tend to go on a bit of a dip. 
I think you're bang on, but what the Spurs fans are feeling is that for them, this somehow isn't really a new ground because it's still on that site of White Hart Lane. They're viewing it very much as kind of a, a homecoming, a reunion rather than a new stadium. So they're implying that there isn't going to be any of that Wembley. Oi, where are we? Why are we so far from the pitch? I'm going for the poltergeist where they've built a new home on old ghosts. <laughs> it's going to come back to haunt them. Yeah, they've accidentally <laughs> built it on a graveyard of... Harry Redknapp's managerial <laughs> career. But you'll, know, you'll notice I haven't said anything about, oh, yeah, we'll take the game to them. Well, we'll do this tactically. It's just, just my only hope is that they didn't do well when they started at a new ground last time. And hopefully the, that new ground syndrome will, will um, hit in. I mean, I've noticed that um, one of the TV channels is reporting live from the ground from seven tomorrow. How ridiculous is that? And not televising the game, as DR pointed out. Yeah, I'm disappointed in that. It's not televised. but It's a bit of a bizarre It's a strange one, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think the other thing that's going for them is they're going to have, what, 57,000 home support and we'll have a 3,000 away fan. So, uh, yeah, it's a stone's throw from the old ground. It's familiar territory for, for the Tottenham players. Um, and, yeah, it's a new stadium, but they're coming from a stadium that isn't theirs. Uh, so it's a positive move for them. Um I, I, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think that uh, they're gonna, they're gonna, oh, they're gonna turn us over. To be honest with you, I, I don't know why they're opening it now, though. I, don't, I just new season, new stadium would have been much better. It just feels weird that the season's coming to an end and they just open a new stadium. Like it just doesn't feel right. I think it's because their rhetoric and all their promises going into this season would that I mean, they'd be in it a lot earlier than this. And yeah. So I think now if the fans were told they could be in that new stadium but they were just delaying it because it would fit the narrative a bit better, they would not be very happy. Also, you've got to think about rent at Wembley. I imagine that's not come cheap. Yeah, I guess so. Well, I just uh, it would have been better I don't know, if they just started a new season with a new stadium. But as you said, they promised it, and now they. I think how many games have they got at home? Five, something about five. So they're going to have five games, and the season's over. And then next season, the first game of the season might feel a bit weird. It might it, if the opening was next season, the first game at home, then that would have been a bit better. People would be more up for it. But now next season, it would just be like another game at home, I guess, because well, they're used to it. But for them, it's like flip the coin and you say, we can say, well, actually, they're going to have five games where they're getting used to the new ground, mm. used to the pitch. Exactly. So they're going to be fresh and they're going to be on the front foot in the, the new season. Yeah. So and they'll have had big thing. events there, you know, a home Champions League tie against Barcelona, against Manchester City, sorry. Uh, so, you know, there is oh, yeah. a potential to get over the potential nerviness of first times at a new ground before it is a new season, I suppose. How do the pitch dimensions relate to, A, the old White Hart Lane, and B, Wembley, because they haven't really changed personnel while they've been at Wembley too much, have they? It's pretty much yeah. the same squad, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, from the eye test, the pitch seems a bit large. I don't know every, every pitch seems like the same, but... Uh, but you're a student. Seem... You should be finding these oh, things. Oh, well, yeah, I should be <laughs> going there just measuring it. <laughs> it's, get your, personally, get your tape measure out, exactly, yeah. Will. <laughs> the new stadium, I haven't needed the tape measure for this, just our good old friend, the internet. Uh, it's got a standard pitch dimension of 105 metres by 68 metres. It's exactly the same size as pitches at Old Trafford and, crucially, Wembley. That's interesting because Wembley was always known to have the biggest pitch. Um, they've obviously... Uh, 
reduce the size of the Wembley pitch. Well, I think it, there also or, might be a standardised where where the bigger clubs are making their pitches bigger because yeah. you have, as you say, some kind of option about bigger or smaller. And if you're looking to play expansive football stretch teams, it's an advantage to have more to play. And Stoke famously always had a very narrow, very long pitch. I can't think why. Yeah, and I suppose if if you are designing a stadium, if you make the pitch longer, you're going to get more seats in. So. Make a few more quid. <laughs> Cynical, Nick. Cynical. <laughs> we also haven't had a cat update for an hour or so. Any news? No, no. Dorothy's still... Dorothy. Dorothy. La- Lady Dorothy is her full name. Lady Dorothy. Not in Canvas, Canvas, Kansas anymore, no. but still very much pregnant. Don't go anywhere because coming up, it is time for the Opposition View. We'll be talking to Dan Tracy from the East Spurs podcast to see how he sees the new stadium's christening going down. This is Love Sport. You're listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio with me, Johnny Burrow and Nick Gussett, DR Kernaz and James Howard of the Back of the Nest podcast. And I'm delighted to say we're also joined on the line by Dan Tracy of the E-Spurs podcast. Evening, Dan. Thanks very much for joining us. This is a massive, massive day, not just game, but event for Tottenham, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, yes. I mean, it's the homecoming that we've been waiting for for, what, I don't know, a good eight months or so. You know, it feels like it's been forever. Um, you should try being Charlton, almost... mate. What's Come that? on, Charlton. They, they were out their ground for about six or seven years. You've only been out a year. Don't get too overexcited. Yeah, but who cares about Charlton? Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> the boss of this station. Yeah, that's other true. than that. That is true. So, Dan, it's it has been, whilst it may not have been a Charlton length of time, it's been tough for Spurs fans. You've had to go to Milton Keynes, which no one should have to suffer. Are you relieved to finally be going back to White Hart Lane? Uh, yes, I think it's about time, isn't it? I think we've almost outstayed our welcome at uh, Wembley. I think also with the fall we've had as of late, one point from 15 on offer, it's, uh, it's almost, you know, we need to come back. It's, you couldn't have timed it any better, so... Whether we're now set up to fail with all this sort of pressure of coming home to have the housewarming party, I don't know. But, I mean, it needs to be the shot in the arm for the team that to hopefully gets into the top four. Because right now, it's really in the balance, isn't it? Yeah, look, looking at the two teams, obviously on paper, Tottenham do look like they could, you know, pick off Palace all day in any game that they play. Although we've, we've done quite well against you and lost by the odd goal recently. But my question is, a lot of Tottenham fans are really, really confident with it being their homecoming game. Are you going to suffer from new stadium syndrome? Do you know what? I don't think we will because a lot of people have said that the stadium itself feels like it's almost captured the essence of White Hot Lane. That makes sense to us, you know, expand that point. That, Like West Ham, they went to a new stadium and it was literally alien to them, wasn't it? They were like, well, what is this? It was nothing like Upton Park. I think the transition will be a lot smoother. And I think, you know, it won't necessarily be, you know, a new stadium. It will just literally be coming back home, if that makes sense. It, it does, it does. Although the, the last ground did remind me of Chad Valley, the old 70s football games you used to get, and the stands around it were very reminiscent of that. Um, I remember many, many years ago going to Keith Birchinshaw's testimonial there. That was um, the only time I went to White Hart Lane. So um, it's a shame that one of the old grounds has gone, really, but, you know, that's progress. I don't, um, just looking at Tottenham's result over the last couple of weeks, it really hasn't... Been, um, you, know, you lost to uh, Liverpool 2-1, that last-minute goal, Southampton 2-1. Um, what's gone wrong over the last couple of weeks? Uh, well, that's a million-dollar question at the moment. I think some of it's down to not taking chances. 
Southampton certainly. I mean, first half we should have been two three up, and I think that if we were if that was the case, sorry, then you know we wouldn't have lost that game against Liverpool. We even had chances to win it late on. The game was getting so stretched end to end. You had Soko blasting over, Ali had a chance, and then we had that sort of momentary lapse by Hugo and Reese, a big lapse, and then you know we lose that one. So you can argue, you know, things aren't going to rub the green in our direction, but. I don't know if it's some sort of mental block. I think, you know, to get one point out of 15 against opposition, you know, it's not been the easiest of runs. You've got Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal in that set, but really you shouldn't be losing Southampton and Burnley. I know the Premier League is the league that anyone could beat anyone, but, you know, they're games that we should be looking at that and thinking, yeah, that's three points in the bag. So um, I don't think formation has helped. I think there's almost been an over-reliance on a back uh, three, back five. Um, I don't think that's necessarily suited to the best way that Tottenham play. Um, also, to a certain degree, I think Harry Kane coming back into the team, not obviously him being back, but I think it's sort of unsettled us, almost to the, the um, degree where when he wasn't playing, that sort of four-game spell where he was injured, everyone raised their game to the man, and I think the sort of players were you know incredible in his absence. Now he's back, it's almost a case of, well, he, he is back, Carl is back, we don't need to do so much as we were doing before, so it's almost sort of unsettled the team, so... A multitude of factors, and you can see it's um, having a real effect on our results at the moment. Dan, did you um, have you been to the the, the two games that you just had recently, the Legends game and the other one? You've been to any? No, of those? I'm going tomorrow. I, I personally saved myself for the main event. I didn't really want to go just to sort of an under 18s or not. So I waited for that long. I thought, right, if I'm going to do it, I'm going because I've got a season ticket, so I'm going to wait for uh, tomorrow's uh, Palace game. Have you been in to to find your seat and choose your seat inside the stadium at all? Uh, no, I haven't. I've literally, you know, I picked, yeah. I picked it months ago and I'm just sort of waiting to get there now. So it's all sort of, by the multitude of videos and photos that I've seen in the ground, actually getting a foot in there is yeah. a way of the intimate at the moment. Must be exciting for you then just to, to, to go tomorrow and, and to find out your seat and, and facilities. And from from the impression I'm getting from the people that have been is that it's just absolutely out of this world. It's best, I'm reading the newspaper saying it's the best stadium in the world now and Fantastic, comfort, comfortable seats, lots of legroom, uh, spacious, modern. I mean, it, I'm, I'm, I mean, compared to what we're going through at the moment ad, at Palace. Advert for an airline. I'm, I'm absolutely <laughs> jealous. <laughs> I mean, you could look at our ground compared to yours, and you know we were supposed to be developing our ground a few years ago, and it's still, it's still back where it was. But I'm, I'm really pleased for you guys. You know, as a fellow football fan, I think it's great. Dan, we like to ask the big questions here on the Palace Fan Show, so I've got to ask, what's the situation with the cheese boards? You know what? That's, well, that's uh, some sort of misnomer that's been going on for months, and I don't think it was ever really in the plans, because I know the gardens sort of broke last month or two, you know, not after all the delays, also, we're not getting a cheese room, but then the club sort of... It was a cheese room, was it? Not just room. a board. No, no, not so, you know, an actual cheese room, but yeah, I don't know, it's just, it's just Chinese whisper that's escalated massively so there's going to be no cheese on show tomorrow so more the pity only possibly in the tunes played before the game possibly yeah that's right (laughs) one thing that we've been discussing on the show Dan is whether opening the stadium for the end of this season is the right decision or whether it would have been nicer to begin next year with a new home for you personally would you rather have saved it for a new campaign um no do you know what I sort of like I say many fans have got to the point where They've just had enough at Wembley. If you take tomorrow's game, for example, if it was at Wembley and after the run that Tottenham have had, you know, sort of not winning in five, you would have gone to that game and I imagine Wembley would have been played in around an attendance of about 30,000 and I think that would have really played into Palace's hands. Now, it's a different proposition. You think that sort of new stadium with the, the atmosphere that's going to come with it, 
it sets up Tottenham for a sort of huge win. So I think it will be a shot in the arm for us. Now, you can argue that it sort of loses the, the intensity of the competition because why should Tottenham get that, that boost? Although that's not a guarantee, they've still got to win the games. But you think, is that really fair that they're sort of getting this extra sort of um, edge in such an important part of the season? Perhaps it's not fair, but, you know, that's the sort of decision that Premier League have made. Um, it's not ideal, but I think, you know, the whole sort of stadium build hasn't been ideal. But, you know, hopefully the ends will justify the means for getting the result tomorrow. I guess all the local pubs and cafes are looking forward to you, you fans <laughs> going back because they must have missed your custom for a few months or years. Well, do you know what? I think the uh, the ground itself has been quite clever in pricing their, their alcohol. For example, like a pint is £4. And I think that their sort of theory is just get people in the ground, get people spending early. And I think, you know, although... You're right, the sense that sort of local businesses will be sort of rubbing their hands with glee in theory. I think there is a danger they're also going to be undercut as well, so they might have to sort of uh, rethink their pricing. Well, you're up to 60,000 now, aren't you, capacity? So there'll be a few more fans turning up, so you'd hope that uh, the ground as well as the local establishments will be able to uh, uh, generate business out of you, you, your support. So, uh, yeah, good luck with that. Uh, uh, just um, quickly, just looking at Palace... Um, what have you made of Palace this season? Many fans, um, Palace fans, have said that we've underachieved this season. But from looking at it from the outside, what have you made it? Do you think we've underachieved, or do you think we're right where we should be with the squad we've got? I don't think you've underachieved. To be honest, I think where you are is a sort of fair sort of indication of what you've been. I think sometimes you've been a little bit too inconsistent. For example, you know the last um, two games you won before the weekend, you then followed up with a loss. So that's obviously a good omen for tomorrow as well. But I just think you know sometimes. I think he's certainly got better since um, Batshuayi has come in. I think that's certainly giving you that edge. And I think his sort of output and goals is just giving you enough breathing space so you're not really looking over your shoulder. You're still looking up. But I still think there's still a bit of work to be done with Palace. And I think you need to iron out those inconsistencies to sort of start really looking at being a top-half team. I don't think you're there yet. And I think the challenge for you in the summer is keeping hold of your key players like Zahar and Bissaka. You know I mean, if you lose them, you sort of think, well, is that a backward step? So you need to sort of try to be looking at... Um, adding to what you've got rather than losing players. But, you know, the hierarchy of football as it is, it's harder to sort of do that, isn't it? I think you're bang on, Dan, and it's been absolutely lovely speaking to you. But just before we let you get going, I'm afraid I have to put you on the spot with a score prediction. You're sounding confident, but how's the game going to go? Um, I will go for a confident 2-0 win. I think it's not going to be sort of over the top, but I just think, like I say, you know, we haven't won in ages. I think it's all the stars are aligning. We've got to win tomorrow because literally there's no more margin for if we want top four so I think homecoming party is going to be a good one I think we're going to win it 2-0 there are a couple of resigned nods in the studio Dan and a couple of slightly displeased faces as well so we'll have to get into the Crystal Palace side of things in just a moment Dan thanks ever so much for joining us Dan Tracy there of the E Spurs podcast stay with us here on the Crystal Palace fan show because we've heard the Spurs side of things but let's talk about how Palace should set up This. You're listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio and the debate about how Palace should set up against Spurs is already raging in the studio off mic. Gents, how should Hodgson approach this game? Um, 
I don't I don't know in particular how he should, but what I think he will do is uh, <laughs> for, he'll play four or five. So cynical. Yeah, I, I don't know. I really don't know with Palace. Um, four five one, I think something like that. Tight in midfield. Um, Batshuayi isolated all game, and then if he gets an odd chance, he might just finish it. I think it'll be that type of game. But um, when, Tottenham, sorry, when you say four five one, are you saying like two in central defence and then three lined up in front of them? Yeah, I mean um, when we ha- when we don't have the ball. Uh, there'll be like five defenders basically uh, five midfielders not defenders um, so Wilf and Dross will just go in, in part of their midfield just to make sure that Tottenham haven't got any gaps basically um, but I don't know going forward he might be 4-3-3 four, four, three, three. it depends because Palace it seemed like they change it so we might start with 4-3-3 three, three, but then when we're defending it just turns to 4-5-1 something like that because we've done that see I'd be starting Kualte who likes to drop back in to make a back three while either PVA or AWBs goes forward. And I think one of the only ways we're going to stop the likes of Sun and the other wingers getting forward for Tottenham is to keep them busy up the other end of the pitch. Yeah, I think you start Kiate. I'll, I personally want him to start, but who do you drop realistically? You, you drop Jeffrey Slup? Or Max? Quite well, Max started, unless... well, I guess I'm, instead of Max's plays, James McArthur will start. And if that's the case, he's dropped Jeff Schlupp. Roy loves Schlupp, so... Well, if he, play, if he plays Schlupp on the left wing and puts um, Zaha up front with a Benteke or, and then Angels on the right, then I don't see a problem with that. Mm. Yeah, there's so many... Depends about, where he starts Zaha. Yeah, there's so many options. I'd like to see Keate play, to be honest with you. Mm. Uh, I think MacArthur definitely, Keate. I think we just got to... And you've got Luca as well in the middle. We're going to be very, very strong. And, and I can't see Hodgson wanting us to attack too much in the first half unless some glaring opportunity opens up for us. I think we're just going to hopefully stick in there nil-nil half, ta- half, half time and then, and then maybe if we create something second half we can snatch an away win. Um, yeah, but they definitely need to strengthen the midfield tomorrow. Yeah, it's, it's, Tottenham have just got so many creative players, haven't they? And There's so many different options for them going forward. That you'd, every every player's got to be on their metal to to try and nip nip these things in the bud. Absolutely. And looking at the Palace options, we're hearing reports that only Sacco is missing. So does that mean we have some kind of update on Bakary Sacco and Connor Wickham? No, I don't. I really. I just see Bakary Sacco on the social media. You know, having a laugh with the players. But other than that, <laughs> I really don't know what's going on. Um, I thought that when we signed him, he'll have a couple of games because. When he, when he was last with us uh, under Roy, he scored a couple of goals and Roy got the best out of him. But it seemed like he's not in the squad. I don't know if it's just fitness. It's but Roy hasn't said anything. Roy just said that my own Saka is missing. So I'm confused on what's actually going on. Yeah, he didn't really give much detail on on uh, Bakary or Connor. But um, you got to remember that bakery has been out. You know, even when he was on loan at West Brom, he was out with, a, with niggling injuries. So, you know, maybe they're just playing it safe like they did with Christian. Benteke and actually letting the injury sort itself out properly before bringing him back too early. But he played, like you said, he played a couple of games up front and the opposition definitely weren't expecting that. And he he was a a force up there, wasn't he? Yeah. I mean, the season's coming to an end, though. Um, how long are we going to wait? Because we got him on loan in the first place. It's not like we got him on a permanent signing. What? So what's going to happen? Are we just going to... Did we just sign him so he can just... You know, chill with the guys, I guess. Uh, 
but I don't mind that. Maybe, maybe I don't, he's I, good for team morale. Yeah, yeah, like... yeah. He definitely is. Um, yesterday, Batshuayi and Christian Benteke and Sako, they went out. It's always Sako. He has a good connection with all the players. Don't get me wrong. But in terms of, I thought we signed him more for football reasons rather than morale so, reasons. So, so, so it's not I, like, I, maybe it's I might, I, if you pay me like one grand a week, I might go in there and try and sign the morale. A bit, a bit of entourage. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, quite, quite like I'll that try idea. that as well, yeah. Back It'll be cheaper. Bakary Sacco being brought in just to come and have a, have a laugh on the training ground, yeah, cheer maybe, everyone up a bit. Maybe just have yeah. a laugh with Roy in his office, like, after <laughs> training. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> maybe he's making the tea. Maybe they've gone full intern. I don't, yeah, I don't, maybe. Who knows? We need more, we need a, full, a camera focus on um, Bakri Saka throughout the day. I think this is, this is a state of football, though, these days, is that you've got, you know, players that are paid 70, 80 grand a week, and they're just squad players, you know. It's an insurance policy. Two or three players get injured. You need somebody in that can fit in straight away and play week in, week out. And you cannot rely on a weak link in the team in the Premiership because if you do, another manager will see that weak link and you'll 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 lose the next game. Uh, and it does it does mean that you are spending a lot of money, whether it be on loan or in wages, on players that will just just not even make the bench. Yeah, the thing with Saka is that maybe you could come in for like off the bench maybe for Andros because he hasn't really had the greatest of. Um, Last last few games he hasn't had the greatest of performances, no. so that could be an option because we're lacking wingers. I know Max Meyer can come in and, and play there as well, but Bakary Sako seems like the natural fit for that position. So hopefully sooner rather than later we see him actually playing to see if he can perform as he did before he left us. I think he and uh, Connor Wickham have got these niggling injuries. I mean, like Connor yeah. Wickham came back, had a few games, got a goal. And then got in, injured again, so uh, it, it could be something who just. I mean, it, although he has declared that there's only one team member that's unfit, hasn't he? I think yeah. I think Coyne Wickham is just in that list that for, he's he's just unfit for. It. <laughs> he's never, he's, he, he can't be fit. I've, I don't know Coyne Wickham. You may be injured tomorrow <laughs> on the way on the way to the game. It's just unfortunate for him. So Coyne Wickham, yeah, he's available as well, but I doubt he will have any game time from now on because even children are you what's happening with him he's scored a couple of goals and he's just completely out of the side right now because of the Benteke and well, he, situation he is, he is lone and you know we've got to focus on getting Christian back to back to form yeah yeah, he is certainly the focus up front for Palace when Batshuayi is not on the pitch we're back underway in the evening's football it is still 1-1 Wolves versus Manchester United and the big story is that it's currently Watford 1 Fulham 1 which means as things stand Fulham stay up in the Premier League and that's not all Ryan Babbel's equaliser made them the 17th team to score 600 Premier League goals so there is one table in which they would be just outside the relegation <laughs> zone uh, other scores Bristol City 1 Middlesbrough nil. that's massive in the chase for the playoffs in the championship and it's Swansea City 2 Brentford nil. a bad evening for the Bees I was interested about what you said about Benteke there Nick do you think that he is straightforwardly of Wickham, Sacco and him and I suppose Alexander Solov who's still on loan is he the one you'd be focusing on? Yeah because his wages are so much no I just <laughs> want him to do well do you I really he will do, do well? he's, he's he does but sure he's doing things that Benteke couldn't do that are really skillful and turning in close areas Benteke is your man for for winning the ball with his chest or with his head and he's holding up play really well and he's you know, made a couple of insightful passes. I thought once, once he did come on, and he gave us a bit more. 
cohesion, I think. Yeah, I think with Benteke, we need to be a bit patient. We, I saw the video of his recovery, and it's just not easy going through an injury like he did. So when he did come on, there was there was positive signs. I think he changed the game, winning one or two headers. He just boosted the guys and brought them into the game. So there were some positives, but I think we just have to give Benteke a bit more minute and just let him finish the season off with... Um, hopefully a goal and assist and then next season just start all over again for him because this season from now on we shouldn't really push him to his limits we should just try bring him back in slowly yeah. but if he doesn't come good next season I want him out in his ear pronto <laughs> I mean you know, there's only so well, long you can well, get it someone. De- well it depends because Roy Hodgson and, and Strikers are not the greatest combination uh, didn't we talk about this a couple of weeks ago about Roy's um, the best strike under Roy I think was Odin Wingy or something with seven I know someone's going to correct me about this but I no, think you're right, so you're right. yeah seven goals or something maybe his wife should be asking for more shooting practice. maybe that's the reason yeah because he's never been able to finish <laughs> but are we are we not keep, I mean obviously Ben Toke was here before Roy joined us mm. uh, you know do, there's some argument here that the club are telling Roy to play him because once he gets a couple of goals he's going to be more marketable and we can sell him. And he does have pedigree as a goal scorer in the Premier League. He was very, very good for Aston Villa for a while. It earned him that massive move to Liverpool. He's no mug. Yeah, exactly. And he, the way he dropped was significant. He went from scoring 20, uh, 17 goals or 20 goals in one season in the 2016-17 season to now he can't even kick a ball. It's just, I don't like, I, that drop is just too significant for, for me to believe that he's lost all his abilities. On, I think it, the manager, as we, we've talked about, can get the best out of some players. Under Allardyce, he was brilliant. He played to Benteke Shrimps and he got goals like that. And I think under Roy Hodgson, Benteke just, he's, he's down for it. He's down about that. He just can't he was more fit of into a fo- the system. Yeah. More of a focal point, wasn't he? Yeah. When, and when Benteke is not the focal point, as we've seen with Roy Hodgson, uh, it just doesn't really work to him because he has to be that target man up there and you just have to deliver balls into the box because that's how Ben Tekken scored all these goals. But we're not really doing that. So I think it's been a bit damaging for him under Roy. Sam Allardyce relying on a lump of a striker. Whatever yeah, well, next. it worked. He was, uh, <laughs> honestly, people criticised Sam Allardyce when he came into the club, but we played some great football under him. Honestly, being Arsenal free, no, well, I didn't mean that intentionally. But I, I'm an impartial <laughs> broadcaster, VR. It's yeah. fine. I'll do my crying after yeah. the show. But but very, very quickly on the subject of Sam Allardyce, but away from Palace, Bolton, they're talking about playing their next two games behind closed doors because they can't get enough security staff and trained stewards in. Can't the Football League do something? Well, you would have thought so. And the other concern is that Bolton, as yet, still haven't paid their players and staff for the last month. So before we start worrying about the actual football <laughs> and the stewards, you might want to worry about paying not just the players, but, you know, the tea ladies and the cleaners and the people who work at the football club. It is a testing, testing time at the Reebok Stadium. But it is that time of the show on the Crystal Palace Band Show where we have to put you guys on the spot with your score predictions for the game coming up against Tottenham tomorrow night. Mm. So, DR, what kind of game are you seeing? What kind of scoreline? <laughs> I don't know what game I'm seeing. Uh, it just depends on what Palace turns up. But scoreline, I'll go with 1-0 Tottenham because that's the classic scoreline against Tottenham, isn't it? So I can see something like that happening. No new stadium syndrome for DR. James, what are you going for? I'm going to go 2-1 to Tottenham. 
not a lot of positivity in the studio. We're playing a, reser- a reverse psychology. Watch, watch what happens tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Nick, are you going to finally bring a bit of optimism to this studio? I'm going to go for a party pooping 2-1 to Palace. 2-1 to Palace. There we go. A bit of positivity. And we've got to think of something. If we are going on the negativity front, what could happen this week that would cheer things up? Do we need uh, Lady Dorothy to give birth, Nick? Is that the solution? A Palace loss, but some kittens. <laughs> I'd rather she hung on till next week because it's Easter holidays and I'll be at home. Um, I want to. I want to see it all because I've never. <laughs> I've never experienced it before. No. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think the Newcastle game's next week. Yeah. So even if there is a loss, something to look forward to, and you'll have to join us then next week on the Crystal Palace Fan Show. This is love sport. It's the ninetieth minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.